Well, this morning we're going to uh, be talking about the power of our confession. So let's start out with uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. <clears throat> and we actually, let me, let's turn over there real quick. Romans 10, 9 and 10. And we'll, um, we'll actually back up a little bit, I think, to verse 7 or 8 here. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. Heavenly Father, we thank you for an opportunity, another opportunity that we have to come uh, before your word. Father, we thank you that your word is life to us and health to all of our flesh, that your words, when your words come in, that they bring revelation, that they bring light, that they bring understanding. Yes. And Father, we have come this morning to learn from you. We thank you for your spirit who teaches us all things, guides us into all truth, reveals to us the reality of who we are in Jesus Christ, reveals to us and takes the things that belong to you and shows them to us and opens them up to us. So Father, we uh, thank you for this morning for a spirit of wisdom, revelation, understanding that your truth is being imparted and that we are being changed. And Father, we commit to you that we won't just hear the word, your word, but we will do your word, make it a part of us. We thank you for the life and the change that it brings into our lives and the lives of those that we are around. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, let's start with uh, verse 8. But what says it? The word is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. Verse 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So first of all, we look at like how, how are you born again? How am I born again? How is someone that is not part of the kingdom of God, how do they become part of the kingdom of God? Jesus said uh, to Nicodemus, when Nicodemus is talking about, you know, how can, we, how can uh, we get to heaven? And Jesus said, well, you know, unless a man or a woman be born again, he can't get to heaven. She can't get to heaven. Well, the, the uh, ruler of the law, the Pharisee, Nicodemus, said, well, then nobody can be. Who could be, is what he said. You know, kind of implying, like, I've never heard of that before. Who can be born again? He's like, can... I go a second time into my mother's womb? I mean, it's like, you know, these little building blocks the kids have, the size doesn't fit. I mean, you, you can't go back. And Jesus said, unless you be born again, or as the margin says, born from above, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So when we uh, come into the kingdom of God, we are made new creatures, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. In Christ, in uh, the Word of God, you can look at uh, several commentaries, even translators, New Testament talks about it, that uh, these two words, in Christ, are some of the most significant words in the New Testament. And in is not just a preposition that you learn in grammar class and English class. Um, those two words are really inseparable. So generally in translations, you'll see that they have to keep those two together because it's actually a position of unification. It's where you actually become one with. So if any man or any woman become one with Christ, he is a new creature. She is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. 
When you're born again, when you're born from above, you actually have a new life that comes from God that comes into you and recreates you and you actually become a creature, a species, a being that never existed before, like an alien life. You know, people, some people believe in aliens and stuff like that. I kind of believe in them. I think they're demons, you know. But anyhow, uh, it's a different life. You now have a new life. And, um, you know, in the beginning, God created uh, the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that's in them. And then after he created all this stuff for mankind, then he created Adam, a living being. But when he created Adam, uh, Adam had no life. Because the Bible says that God had to breathe the breath of life into his lifeless body. His spirit gave life. So then God breathed into Adam. So, you know, man is not just flesh and bones and blood. But man is a living spirit. And when we become born again, when we accept Jesus Christ, then his life comes into us and recreates us. We're recreated by the Spirit of God. So uh, Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, uh, what what does it say? The word is near you. It's even in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So when you actually receive Jesus Christ, first you actually believe in your heart. And then you confess with your mouth. And then God recreates you and makes you a new creature. So it's not like you come and you say, okay, I'm going to pray. I'm going to receive Jesus Christ. And um, you just wait because, like, something's going to happen. You have to confess first, and then it comes to pass. And um, I wanted to start out with that because, like, like I've said so many times, is it's really important that we understand that everything that we get from God comes the same way, by faith. And the litmus test we can use, that's a great litmus test, is how did you get born again? Did you do something amazing? Were you awesome? Is it because of, of things that you did or didn't do? Or was it all because of the free gift of God? Something that God did for you that you couldn't do for yourself. Something that God did for me that I couldn't do for myself. That is, that is salvation. And the way that you actually grab hold of that is through faith. And the way that your faith grabs hold of that is you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth. So I want to talk uh, this morning about confession and the power of confession. Our confession will either uh, put us in prison or it'll set us free. I mean, I had a... I know a guy, I would actually call him a friend. We haven't talked since I lived in Oklahoma, but it was a coworker friend. And um, uh, he's a nice guy, but uh, when I say, but he's probably not listening to this, but maybe he is. <laughs> but uh, the exterior, like the interactions with him, he would never smile. And he was kind of gruff, <laughs> you know. And... Um, uh, so some people were like afraid of him and <laughs> wouldn't talk to him and he can come off that way. But uh, once you get to know him, he's a really nice guy. Just the way he relates is really gruff and it's always like, ah, oh, stupid. And, uh, you know, and uh, in Oklahoma, most people were uh, 
conservative in their political viewpoints, and he was liberal, and he's like, there's no even point for me to vote because, you know, I'm so outnumbered. It's, you know, what's the point, you know, <laughs> like that. Kind of like not, not maybe the best attitude, but um, so we would talk, and so I talked to him, and I told him, you know, I said, you know, I said, you need to get born again because he was not a Christian, and um, he's like, I'm never going to get born again. You know, I can't, you know, there's no point to that. And um, He just, by the words of his mouth, he really set his course. And so he just always resisted. Now, I believe he will get born again because, uh, you know, I, you know, had been praying for him and um, he's just the type of, I don't know, you just meet some people and you're like, you know what, you're just like, you're all like a front because you're really soft on the inside and you just have this front up so you don't get hurt is what you are. And, uh, but Jesus really wants to get in and get to know you. But, uh, you know, you can set the course of your life by your words. And I guess when I grew up, I did not uh, understand that it was the will of God for me to be healed and for me to be healthy. I thought, well, God is all-powerful, which he is. And God can do anything which he can. And God healed in the Bible, which he did. But I didn't know that he still healed today, uh, except for maybe like a special miracle. But you, that might happen, that might not happen. There's no like, you know. So like, uh, I didn't know I could pray for healing. I didn't know I could receive from God healing from God. Um, in that way, I just thought it was, you know, like God could do anything. God could create another earth that's like, uh, you know, 30,000 miles away, and you could take a little shuttle and go populate your own planet, right? <laughs> I mean, God could do anything. Uh, but the truth is, God can't do anything uh, because he's bound himself to his word. God has the power to do anything. God has the ability to do anything. But he has chosen to say, I am a being of my word, and I'm not going to do anything that goes contrary to my word. I'm only really going to do what my word says. And then he said that his word will never pass away. Yeah. So while God has the ability to do anything, uh, he won't do anything, just anything. He'll do what his word says, yeah. and his word is his will. So our confessions can actually uh, cause us to be set free or to be imprisoned. When I... Um, uh, I was talking about when I was younger, I didn't know all this stuff. So once I started to get a little bit of light on healing and I started to see like, whoa, this is all over in the Bible. This is amazing. I thought back to the power uh, of words because my older brother, when we, were, when we were kids, I don't know, I assume we were normal kids. We didn't want to go to school all the time. <laughs> and so my older brother uh, I, I remember this specifically. I, I should ask him how old we were because he's older than me, so he might remember. But I would guess he was like eight or nine years old, and I was probably five or six. And so he didn't want to go to school the next day. And so everything was going fine and everything. So he got home from school that day, and he's like, I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick tomorrow. I'm going to be sick. I'm going to be sick because I'm not going to go to school. I'm going to be sick. He got so sick. I never remember him being that sick the whole time growing up. And he was so, like, um, uh, what do you call it, upset that he had done that or, like, sad that he had done that. He's like, oh, what did I do? Like, I don't want to be sick. I don't want to be sick. But as soon as I started learning about the power of your words, I, uh, I guess I was reminded of that instance. And I thought, wow, 
I know this stuff already on the negative side. Now I just really need to have it on the positive side. And so by his words, he caused sickness to come on him. And so if you can cause sickness to come on you by your words, I suppose by your words, you could cause sickness to leave if your words are the words of Christ. Because the word of God tells us that God sent his word and did what? Healed us. So when his word comes in contact with our sickness, our disease, our infirmity, our bondage, the word will set you free. And and Jesus really said that in uh, John chapter 8, I think it's 31 and 32, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free. And... um, but you have, it's the truth that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free. Yeah. Our confession is the result of our believing, and our believing is a result of our thinking. Mm-hmm. So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Mm-hmm. So it's really important what we're thinking. And the way that we affect our thinking, of course, we know like Romans 12, verse 2, don't be transformed to this world, but conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Uh, transform there is uh, the Greek word like metamorphosis, metamorphosis, like you see a butterfly, a cocoon, uh, you know, mm-hmm. moths. We have a little moth problem. <laughs> We've seen the metamorphosis process. <laughs> again and again and again, apparently. <laughs> so our confession will either imprison us or it'll set us free. Our confession is the result of our believing, and our believing is a result of our thinking, either right thinking or wrong thinking. And, um, you know, you get into circles of faith, and sometimes people say, I've heard people say it, actually, on uh, some modern, but also on some older stuff, like, well, just, as soon as you get born again, just cut your head off, and you won't have any problems. Like, not literally. Um, But they're talking about, like, don't use your head. Uh, No, the Bible really doesn't say that. The Bible says to renew your mind with the Word of God. Be transformed in your mind. And um, when we're born again, when we become a new creature in Christ Jesus, we shouldn't, like cut off our head, and we shouldn't quit our job, and we shouldn't just stop living and become a recluse and just be like, okay, well, I got my ticket stamped now. I don't really want to talk to anybody. I don't want to get involved in anything. No, the, the nature of God, the life of God that's infused in us should flow out of us into every arena of our life. It should flow into our workplace. It should flow into our uh, bank account. It should flow into our family. It should flow into our um, eating habits, it should flow into our pastimes, and it should flow into our mind. But it's not going to happen like automatically. (laughs) Isn't that a bummer? (laughs) Like when you're born again, you just got a new mind, everything's taken care of. No. Uh, You know, the, the person, I heard somebody say this, and I wholeheartedly agree, uh, you are not my problem. Other people are not my problem. My biggest problem is me <laughs> and my unrenewed mind or my stinking thinking or I haven't like learned to follow the right way, yeah. right? And so because God has placed within me everything that's necessary for life and godliness through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, yeah. 
well, I have some necessity for some life and some godliness. That means I have some necessity for knowledge of Jesus Christ. And as I come closer and closer to Jesus, then I'll become more and more acquainted with who I'm made to be in Christ and who God has made me to be in Christ. Our confession is not simply saying the right thing. Uh, Confession is born out of believing and believing out of thinking. So you have to see in the word of God the truth of God, the revelation of God, so that it gets rooted from your heart to your mind and is not just mental agreement or mental assent. So what we do is we go to the word of God, but we don't go to the word of God like we would a history book. Not, it's not a mental experience. God is not a mind. God's a spirit. So you don't contact God with your mind. You renew your mind because your mind simply uh, takes information in. And the way it gets information is the devil may speak to your mind. The devil doesn't speak to your spirit. The devil speaks to your mind. Other people may speak to your mind. And the word of God actually comes into your heart. And then it flows from revelation in your heart to your mind. And then your mind is renewed. Your mind is changed. And we were saying, um, you know, from last week's message every, uh, every morning on Sunday mornings before we uh, start rehearsing and once everything's set up, we kind of review like last week's message and what uh, the Lord said to different to our hearts and stuff like that. And we were talking this morning. Um, somebody said that um, they remember the story I told about uh, my daughter Evie last week. And uh, we were, uh, the week before last, we were down on a vacation in, on Hilton Head Island and riding bikes and you know, it was our first time there, so you don't know how all the traffic is and stuff. And man, by the end of the week, the traffic was, there was a lot of traffic. And, uh, but they have great bike paths, and they're really wide and safe, but they do cross roads. And so it's our first time, so uh, Melody had instructed the kids that I was going to be in front, she was going to be in the back. And then um, Evie kept going around in front of me, and uh, she just wanted to be in front. And so she, we'd say, you know, Evie, you know, Mom said... Dad's supposed to be in front, so you need to get back there. Oh, I'm sorry. And so she'd go back. And then like 15, 30 seconds later, she comes up front. I said, Evie, you know, you're not supposed to be in the front. And oh, you know, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And so this happened like I don't know how many times, probably four or five times. So finally, I said, Evie, stop. And so we stopped. And I said to her, I said, listen, I said, you are not going to fix this by trying to not get in front. The only way you're going to fix this is to change your heart. Because your heart is, I just want to be in front. I don't really care what you say. I'm just going to do this. You have to change your heart. And she listened and took it to heart. And she changed. And I had no more problems with her till like the next day. (laughs) Then I said the same thing. Uh, But the point was, uh, that's a wonderful teaching experience for an adult or for a child. As soon as she changed her heart, it was easy. She didn't have to think about it. I said, you're like trying to like, okay, I'm not going to go up, I'm not going to go up, and then all of a sudden you get excited and you go up. You're not going to be successful that way. You have to um, change your heart, change your attitude, and then you'll actually be able to uh, do it, and you won't have to think about it. And so confession is the same way. So, you know, we've been talking about healing the last few weeks, and, um, you know, we can confess that by his stripes I am healed. Or that Jesus took my infirmities and my sicknesses and bore them in his own body, um, and I'm healed by his stripes. Well, just speaking those words is not enough. Just like um, 
you know, the demons actually believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And they tremble at that. But they don't, like, receive him. Right? So, so it makes a big difference. And so our confessions rule us. So our confessions not simply saying the right thing, like I know I'm supposed to say this. Okay, I'm, I'm trusting God to heal me. So I, I'm just going to say this because I know I'm supposed to say it. Well, that could help because the more you hear it, the more your heart has opportunity to grab hold of it. Um, but that's not a place to arrive or a place to stop. Uh, the place to stop is that you have a firm belief in your heart and springing forth from that belief comes words from your mouth that line up with the word of God. So you get the word of God deeply rooted into your heart and then it kind of comes out automatically, yeah. right? It's like a relationship. If I, if I just all the time told my wife that I loved her because I know I'm supposed to tell her that I love her, what does that do for her? Not a lot right? If I don't mean it. And she knows, she really knows if I mean it or I don't mean it. And so the same thing is true with being born again. You can confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and not believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, and you will not be saved. And so it's something that we have to believe in our heart and not in our head. So we can know something in our head and not believe it in our heart. My wife's giving me instruction. I'm not. <laughs> then your confession is much more than the words you speak. Your confession includes your actions, your communication of what you believe. Have you heard that statistic that um, communication is 80% nonverbal? I think that's so important. Like, and this is not a people skills lesson, but in people skills and getting along with people and communicating, you have to remember that most of your communication does not come from the actual words that you're speaking. Uh, communication is 80% nonverbal, meaning that the biggest way that you're communicating what you believe is by your body language, your facial expression, your demeanor, and really the tones in your voice. And all of your words lining up with that. The real question for us uh, is while we are saying the right thing, are we thinking the wrong thing and just trying to say what we know we should say? We say that again. The real question for us is while we are saying the right thing, are we thinking the wrong thing and just trying to say what we know we should say? Your actions show what you believe. Confess what you believe. So it's not a matter of uh, just curbing our speech because, okay, I'm not going to say this. And I remember when I started to learn about how much doubt I had in my uh, vocabulary, I kind of just stopped talking. <laughs> well, I guess that's a good first step. <laughs> And then the next step is actually to speak the word of God so that you're not cursing yourself with your words, uh, but you're not uh, just in neutral. You know, really, um, if you're silent, if you don't speak, you're, by default, you're in a losing position. You're losing. So you don't want to be losing. You want to be creating your, your uh, world with your words. E.W. Kenyon said that Confession is the tracks over which faith carries its mighty cargo. So in order for faith to be able to carry cargo like a train, you have to have confession out there. But what is faith? Faith is simply believing that what God said is true and acting like it. 
So let's say you have a financial difficulty, a financial pressure. How would you act if you trusted God to come through in that situation? And some people say, well, I would say, you know, my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Jesus Christ. Exactly. But my God will supply all my needs. I can't believe this is happening. Again, this is happening again. This is like the third time. I'm so grateful that the Lord is gracious and full of mercy. Because <laughs> uh, I don't know about you, but I've said things similar to that. <laughs> but it's not a matter of really just spouting off. Have you ever heard somebody say, uh, I remember hearing Brother Hayden talk about this. He said, you know, somebody said, well, you know, I've, I've said these wrong things. What am I going to do? You know, I said, I wish I was dead. And he said, you no more wish you were dead than, you know, uh, anything else. He said, you were just frustrated and stressed, and that didn't come from your heart. That came from your frustration and your stress. And so that's not going to affect you. But if you start saying that like every week and every day and it starts to get a foothold in you, you'll actually start to think that, and then you'll start to believe that, and then it will affect you. But if you just have like uh, a moment of your flesh rising up and you say things that you don't believe that you don't even want to say... You know, uh, you just confess it and move on. It's under the blood. That's not, a, that's not a big deal. It's not altering the course of your life. It's really what you're consistently saying and what you're consistently doing. And when you look at Mark eleven twenty three and 24, whosoever shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he says will come to pass, he'll have whatever he says. Jesus really talks there so much about the power of your words. And um, he told Brother Hagin, you have to do three times as much teaching and preaching about saying as you do believing because people are mostly missing it in their saying, not in their believing. And so one of the Greek words there for uh, say is actually Lego, which is like the little Legos that you build. And you actually build your, your world, your Lego world, through the words that you speak, your set systematic discourse. And so when this stuff happens to me, when this financial stuff happens to me, this is what I always say. This is what I always do. And like I said, you may at the moment like spout off because you're learning to put your flesh under with all the rest of us. <laughs> but then you like correct it. Yeah. And you say, no. I mean, I've heard words come out of my mouth and I've said to my wife, I said, I don't believe what I just said. I apologize for saying that. Lord, forgive me for saying that. Because I heard the words, and then all of a sudden, it was kind of like, do you really want that? I like what uh, Kenneth and Gloria Copeland did. I've done it with my wife, and I don't know if it's worked quite as well as with <laughs> Kenneth and Gloria. But when they first got married, <laughs> they agreed to say, like, <clears throat> when one of them says something that is not really according to the word, like, let's, just keep, let's stay on the financial thing. Well, man, things are always costing us extra money. Well, what they would say is, uh, like if you're glory, they say, well, I believe it's coming to pass right now. <laughs> well, they would stop their saying real quick because when you say stuff like that or you say like, well, that's cold and flu season. Guess I better get ready. Well, I believe it's coming to pass right now. You're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's stop, stop. I'm not, I'm not really believing that. But I found that when you're um, yielding to the flesh in that way, that it's not the time that you really want to hear those words, but it's good to hear those words. <laughs> But our confession is more than just those words that we speak. Yeah. So 
Um, 2 Corinthians 4.13, one of my favorite passages of Scripture says, We having the same spirit of faith, I have believed and therefore have I spoken. Talking about David in the Psalms, we have that same spirit of faith. And that spirit of faith uh, really is not taught. It's something that you catch. And really, you catch it when you're born again. And also by being around people that respond to that spirit of faith. And so a spirit of faith really has, has an attitude. And um, uh, Pastor Mark says, spirit of faith will make a tadpole slap a whale. <laughs> One guy, he was preaching down in, uh, I think it was Louisiana, actually. He was preaching down in Louisiana, and one guy said, man, that preaching, that makes me just want to grab a corn stalk, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. <laughs> you got that? Think about that? A corn stalk, which is going to break anyhow, swing out over hell, and spit in the devil's eye. So it'll be burned up and all this stuff. It means like it takes you beyond your natural thinking, beyond your natural ways, into the realm of God where you actually have faith in God. And so faith in God has an attitude. Faith in God has an attitude that I don't care, devil, what you bring. I don't care which direction you come from. I always end up on top. I don't just conquer. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ uh, who loved me and gave himself for me. So I don't care if it comes from the east. I don't care if it comes from the west, from the north, or from the south. I don't care if it comes from my family or my friends or my enemies. I know God is on my side. And I know God has my back. And so it really doesn't matter that this financial challenge is coming right now because I'm a giver and God is a giver. And because of that, I can't go under because it might not look good in my account right now, but I guarantee you God is not a liar. He will perform his word. He watches over his word to perform it and it will come to pass in my life. And so then by your words and your confession, you're building the pathway for that blessing to flow into your life. Whether it's healing, whether it's uh, financial prosperity, whether it's relationships, whether it's job promotion, whether it's favor, we build the pathway by our words and our confession, but our confession is more than just saying, my God will supply all of my needs. You need to have an attitude about it, an attitude of faith in God. Uh, Mark eleven twenty two. have faith in God. Love that scripture. It's all over our website, all over our stuff, because it's one of the most significant things, and it's an answer to any situation that you face, any problem that you face in your life, Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. So you got this pressure coming, and you even just said something, spouted off, and said something you shouldn't have. What should you do? Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Stop having faith in yourself. Stop having faith in your job. Stop having faith in your friends. Stop having faith in your husband, your wife, or your children to encourage you or your friends. Have faith in God. You lay hold on God's faithfulness. You grab hold of what God is and what God has, and that is faith. And God has faith in you. I mean, he set this thing up so awesome so that you cannot fail. And in fact, he made it so that every mistake that you're going to make, that you don't even know you're going to make, he already took care of before you're going to make it, before you thought of making it, before you existed on the earth. He fixed your mistakes. So get over your mistakes because he already fixed them. Get over your failures because he already fixed them. Get over your stinking thinking because he's already made provision for your mind to change, your mind to be renewed, and your mind to be strengthened. Confession... And proclamation actually grow out of faith. So you plant the seed of faith, 
which is renewing your mind with the word of God. Renewing your mind with the word of God means what? You, 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 um, uh, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, faith doesn't come by listening. Faith comes by hearing. So you have to listen to hear, but you have to hear. Yeah. Uh, if you're confused, let me say this to my children. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> Does that make the, the, the example is relatable immediately? I don't say anything else. Because <laughs> you're not doing <laughs> what I said, so I don't think you heard me. Yeah, yeah you said da da da. Okay, did you hear me? So uh, I feel like I, I have a, 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 I'm a cheater because I have kids, because like, it's so, easy, so much easier to understand. You know, Jesus said that you have to come to the kingdom of God as a little child. Um, <laughs> And so uh, kids really help me understand. And then when you see yourself in them, it help you understand even more. <laughs> uh, so our kids have iPads. And um, this is what she was telling me, she wanted me to say earlier. <laughs> um, I put here, confession is when you say to your kids, go clean up your room and, or you're not going to play your iPad, say, like, for a week, or you're not going to play your iPad all day if they had time scheduled to play their iPad. Uh, confessions, when you tell them to go do that, uh, and you actually mean it. So you're like, uh, you know, maybe it's, you're busy, maybe I'm busy as an adult, and I've got things going on, and I'm like, so you guys need to go clean up your room. And um, they just keep going about what they're doing, and, you know, my kids are different ages, so they might do it on purpose. They might not have heard me. Um, they might have misunderstood me. Uh, whatever the reason is, you know, they're, everybody's at different stages of um, what they're going through that day. And um, so I might say, you know, uh, go clean up your room or you're not going to play your iPad. Well, then I might be like, I'm probably more merciful, that sounds bad, than my wife, but... Uh, I probably give them too much slack more than my wife. And so uh, I might be like, well, you know, and then they're going to be like, well, I, I want to play the iPad. Well, they kind of did it, but they didn't fully do it. And um, so there wasn't as much meaning in my words. But when I'm like fully paying attention and I say, you need to stop doing that or you're not playing your iPad or you're not uh, going to go play with your friends, or you're not going to this, that, or whatever. We were just on a trip, so they use lots of iPads. So, um, There's a difference in my voice. There's a difference in my demeanor. There's a difference in my heart. Yeah. I said stop doing that. Uh, one of the best examples uh, I could also think of is... Uh, Smith Wigglesworth, he's waiting at the bus stop. He sees this lady with a little dog, and he's getting ready to get on the. Uh, she's getting ready to get on the bus, and the bus pulls up, and she's like, uh, "Go home, honey, go home." And uh, the dog just <laughs> still there, still there. And uh, she walks over close to the bus. She's like, "Go home, go home." And the dog, <laughs> and she gets to the bus where she has to get on, and she said, "Go home." And the dog just put his tail between his legs and, <laughs> and ran home. <clears throat> and Smith Wigglesworth said, "That's exactly how you have to do the devil." So she meant business, right? So she was confessing the right thing. She was saying, go home, go home. But really understand like her demeanor, her tones, everything else that goes with the actual words that she spoke wasn't serious. 
So we're talking about being serious. And, uh, you know, the way that you get serious, I think some of, the, some of the greatest leaps forward I have ever had is when I really got mad at the devil. Because I am like, this is a stupid sickness. This is stupid poverty. This is not belong. This is not from God. You need to stop it, and you need to take your hands off. And as soon as you decide, you know, I'm not going to put up with this anymore, uh, then you actually start to get some results. But the truth is we put up with a lot of things that we don't even believe in a lot longer than what we should. Um, I don't know why. Sometimes I'll speak for myself. Sometimes I guess I'm lazy about it. You know, I'm just distracted and doing other things. And um, you don't want to be lazy about resisting uh, whatever the devil's trying to bring into your life. Because uh, I've experienced some of his uh, stuff and it's not good actually evil. It steals, kills, and destroys. So the confession, a confession and a proclamation grow out of faith. Um, even in uh, Titus 1.16, you'll see that uh, the words of a false preacher and teacher confess God, but their works deny him. Remember they said, we, didn't we do this in your name? We did all this in your name? And um, he said, away from me, I never knew you. And so uh, false teachers and preachers can't even say the right things, uh, but in their heart, they're actually not doing it out of a heart for Christ and a heart for God. And it's more than intellectual understanding. Um, it's actually a heart belief, a firm belief. Um, Knowledge of something does not necessarily include uh, confession of it. Confession is to say the same thing and to agree uh, with a statement. It's to speak the same language. It means that all people are agreed on a statement. It's to accept uh, God's affirmation. Specifically, you admit to a charge, uh, like somebody that's confessing that they're guilty or you could also say, like, you're agreeing to a proposal, to a wish. And, um, you know, like, I think Jeremy and Lee are working on a house. We're working on a house. You guys are working on a house. So we just use a housing example. Um, <laughs> confession is actually ratifying the contract. Okay? Confession is saying, like, yeah, I want this. I want to do that. Da, 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 and saying ratification of a contract means both parties agree on what's in that contract. And now this thing is a, like a living document. This thing now exists and has power. Before that, like you're putting all these, you know, uh, contingencies and uh, I want this, you take this. No, I'm going to take this. I want to leave this, you know, and I'll pay this, you pay this, and I'll pay to inspect this, you'll pay to inspect that. That's all this stuff's up in the air. But once it's ratified, uh, then it's a done deal. And then both parties are saying, okay, I agree to that. So when you talk about faith for healing, faith for finances, uh, faith for deliverance, you're talking about both parties agree to the contract. Well, I have to tell you, like, your side of the contract's not going to be changed. <laughs> I mean, excuse me, God's side of the contract's not going to be changed. Only your side will be changed. So as soon as you come into agreement with his written contract, then you ratify it through your confession through what you're saying. In other words, you're declaring. It's actually a proclamation. It's actually an official declaration. It's saying that by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. 
It's not something that I'm wishing would happen. It has been ratified. It's not something that I'm wanting to happen. It has been ratified. It's not something uh, that I'm considering. It's a possibility. It's something that's done. And so our confession um, grows out of faith in our hearts, and faith in our hearts comes from um, renewing our mind with the Word of God. Really, uh, I like uh, Romans ten seventeen. I think it's today's English Bible, T, the TB. says, uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. That translation says, faith is awakened by hearing the Word of God. Because what does Romans say? God has given, dealt to every man the measure of faith. That means every one of us have a measure of the God kind of faith. But the question is, what condition is that God kind of faith in, that measure? If you can have a measure, that means you could have more or less. So every one of us has that measure of faith. And you can go all throughout the word of God and you find that people had uh, great faith, exceedingly growing faith, uh, weak faith, dead faith. So we know that our faith, in other words, our trust in God, uh, uh, faith is actually believing God and doing something about it. So our actions showing what we believe can be in different states. And we want it to be exceedingly growing faith. Exceedingly growing faith. So that, yeah, today I'm trusting God for this. I can't really trust God in that area fully yet, but I'm working on it. And all of a sudden, ooh, now I'm trusting God in that area. And um, it's important that we never get into works to get in faith. Faith is just believing God. So take out all the works and just say, you know what? As soon as I see the word, I'm going to believe it. I'm going to act on it. Uh, It embraces both Uh, confession embraces both the fact and the event. It denotes both understanding and candid declaration. Um, I already said it's like a contractual uh, ratification. It actually binds the speaker to his words. Okay? So your confession, homologio is the Greek word, it binds you to your words. In other words, I'm not coming out of that. And, you know, that's where maybe like the illustration, uh, it's hard for me to do illustrations sometimes because I always think, okay, well, that doesn't fit here and here, here. <laughs> but uh, when you think of ratifying a contract, you know, uh, if you're in real estate, <clears throat> people know like, well, okay, I'll learn my, lose my earnest money, but then I'll get out of it or, you know, I can get out in an inspection or all this type of stuff. Um, but you, a true confession, a Bible confession, the word confession, and that's what I'm doing right now is giving you uh, uh, light and definitions on what Bible confession is if you confess with your mouth and hold fast to your confession and, um, you know, the great confession. Uh, Bible confession binds you to your words. So you can think of that contract as you would bind yourself to say, yes, I'm going to do this. If you do all of this, I'm going to do this. You're saying, yes, this is what's going to happen. I'm binding myself to, those, uh, to that statement that I made. I am bound to that. And so when we confess, we're actually binding ourselves to that. So I bind myself to, by the stripes of Jesus, I am healed. So that I believe that no matter what the circumstance is, no matter what the trouble is, no matter what the thought is, no matter what my uh, friend's experience is, no matter what my pastor's experience is, no matter what great Aunt Susie, who was the most spiritual woman that I ever knew, whatever happened to her, I'm binding myself to the Word of God when I confess it. 
It denotes an act of proclamation in which the uh, concrete relation to man of man to Jesus is expressed in binding and valid form. So we think of Christianity. They call Christianity like the great confession. And that is that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so when we make that uh, confession, we actually come in contact with all that Jesus did in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. So that the same power that God used to raise Jesus from the dead comes present into our life, into our being, and recreates us. So when we actually confess Jesus is Lord, that same power that was present in the resurrection is present and available at that moment when we confess it, when we bind ourselves to those words, when we have that spirit of faith, that attitude of faith saying, no, I believe God. Like Paul said, I love that. You know, they had the shipwreck and he said, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? He said, wherefore, sirs, I believe God. It will be even as he told me. And so when you have something coming against you or you're believing God to step out in another area, you bind yourself to the word of God by your confession. And your confession includes your attitude and your confession includes your tones and includes your body language. And you ever see like somebody like, how you doing? Oh, great. Things are awesome. You know, you go to like uh, some Word of Faith churches and like, oh, I'm blessed to be a blessing. Oh, you look like it. (laughs) You know, you might want to notify your face. Um, uh, But the thinking is, well, I'm just going to say the right words and nobody's going to notice. Right? Uh, Well, we're really not here to be seen of men anyhow, but it's nice to be a blessing to other people. Uh, But I like to look and see, like, locate myself. So it's great if you have mirrors. If you ever go to Rama, when we went to Rama, like you go back and you forget. Like they have mirrors everywhere. And not for that purpose, I don't think. I have no idea why that mirrors it. Maybe to make it look bigger. But I mean, you go and you can see like when you're talking, like, whoa. And with children, this is a, is a great thing, you know, because you're like, uh, we help each other. Like, okay, if you saw what you look like and heard the tones of your voice, would you like somebody to talk to you that way? Right? Because you can get like you're tired and wore out and you talk to the kid and, you, and you're like, oh. I'm sorry, I should not have spoke to you that way. I'm just really tired. What I'm trying to say is... <laughs> uh, but faith in God will change any situation, will deliver you from any bondage, from any amount of power that the devil has over you in any area of your life. And that faith is expressed through your confession. And your confession is what you have decided, I believe the word of God, and I'm going to speak this. Really, I'm going to declare it. You can almost call it a declaration or think of it as a declaration. And um, I remember, how many of you saw the movie uh, Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston years and years ago? And... um, I like that movie. I haven't seen it for a long time. But I remember uh, one section of that movie uh, where Pharaoh's upset because Moses is like not going to be part of his house anymore and all this stuff. And he said, let the name of Moses be stricken from every document. Let the name of Moses be stricken from everything. And they're like showing all these images where they're like striking his name and doing all this stuff. And that's what we're talking about. It's a solemn declaration. In other words, I'm declaring it to be this way. And because of the power that you have in your mouth when you speak the words of God, it will be that way when you declare in faith. So when we speak uh, and when we confess and we think of confession, it's not just idle words that we're speaking. Our words have power. That life and death are in the power of our tongue, the power of your tongue. 
So life and death in any situation, in your physical body, in your finances, in your relationships, um, uh, words are so powerful. I mean, you can have everything's going just fine in a relationship, and you can have a little meeting and say a few words, and those few words can change the whole atmosphere, change the whole meeting, change everything that you're, that you're experiencing with that person. And uh, if it's your boss, you know, it can really affect you. Like, you could, they could say the words, you're fired. <laughs> or we're giving you a promotion. And I would bet that it would be difficult for most of us to walk out of that office and not be affected by either of those words. You know, our attitude, our demeanor. So the point is, either way, we're supposed to have faith in God. If we're fired, like, okay, you're not my source anyhow. <laughs> I'm going to look to God, right? Just pick yourself up, trust God, because God has your number. He, he knows everything about you. He knows everything about me. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity that we have uh, had to come and to learn from you. We thank you for revelation, for understanding, for impartations from your spirit. Father, we pray today that you will um, help us this week to renew our mind, that we will be changed, transformed by your word. We thank you that your word is so powerful that it can even change us. Father, we thank you that you are full of life and full of faith, that you believe in us, that you trust us. Thank you that you've placed us on the earth and at this day and this hour, we pray that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified in everything that we say and in everything that we do. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that prevents deception and aborts every attempt of the enemy to deceive us. That's our divine covering and protection against all of his fiery darts. We thank you that your blood, the blood of Jesus, is so full of life that it perfects everything that concerns us, taking everything that concerns us and bring it in line with your perfect will every day and in every way. In Jesus' name, amen.